You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Amen, amen, amen. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you as your people, recognizing that you and you alone are God, recognizing that you are Lord over all. God, that you created all of creation, that you uphold the universe in your hands. Oh God, that you breathed life into man and into woman, oh God, and that we are breathing breath right now because you sustain us. Lord, we come before you now as your children asking God that you would meet with us. As we continue in our worship, Lord, would you be glorified? Lord, you deserve all the honor, all the praise, all the song, all the worship, and God, so we worship you. Lord, meet with us today. Be here as we go through your word. Convict us where we need to be convicted, O Lord, and guide us in obedience of our Savior. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. It is so good uh, to be with you this morning, Harvest. My name is Daniel Meyer. I have the privilege of serving here on staff at Harvest York Region. And this morning, we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 6. So if you want to get your Bibles open and uh, turn over to Romans chapter 6, we're going to be dealing with the first six verses. And every time, this just happens to me every time I'm I'm studying for a message, I'm just hit again um, by the reality that the Lord is so good to us in giving us his word. It is just so kind of the Lord to write down these things for us that we can go through them together and learn who he is and who we need to be. So get over there to Romans 6, and and, and when you do, would you please stand with me again, um, actually, for the reading of God's word. It says this in Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I don't know if you noticed there, but there's one word that kind of gets repeated a whole bunch of times. Did you see it? Is baptism, baptized, baptism, baptized, baptism, baptized. Paul seems to repeat himself, and so this morning we are going to be talking about baptism. And the title of the message this morning is this, Why Do You Wait? Why do you wait? And you might say, well, Daniel, um, why do you wait? That's nowhere in the text this morning. Well, I borrowed it from Acts 22, all right? When Paul is retelling his story of salvation and when he gets baptized and Ananias, the believer, says to him, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. 
Why do you wait, rise, and be baptized? So I'm just going to put all my cards out on the table for you this morning. I'm just going to tell you exactly what my goal here is today and and where I want to take you. And, And this is it, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, my goal is that you will be convinced by the scriptures that you need to be baptized. If you haven't already been baptized as a believer, you need to be baptized. That's my goal. Not because of the words I say, but because of God's word and that he would convict you of that that you would follow in obedience of your Savior, and that you would be baptized. And for those of you who are saved and have been baptized, I pray that this would be helpful for you in leading others in your discipleship with them into baptism. So let's jump right into, we got four points today. Uh, Let's get right into our first one. It's this, I need to be baptized because it's assumed in Scripture It's assumed in Scripture. Take a look at verses 1 to 3. It says this again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You see, for Paul, in in Paul's mind, and if you read other letters of Paul, the idea of an unbaptized Christian just isn't there. He assumes, quite rightly, that if you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are baptized. In the text today, he uses the terms interchangeably. He talks about, in verse 2, those who have died to sin. And then in verse 3, he refers to those who have been baptized. For Paul, these things are so... Uh, interconnected. They're just so tightly bound. Your salvation, that you've died to sin, that Jesus has saved you, and that you have been baptized. There's no distinction between the two in many ways. As throughout this text, he interchangeably goes between the two. He knew, and to the people he was writing in this book, the Romans, he knew that those who were in the church, if they're believers in Jesus Christ, they have been baptized. You are dead to sin, and those who are dead to sin are baptized. It's assumed in Scripture so clearly. Paul assumes it. There was no waiting period between salvation and baptism. If you believed in Jesus Christ, the next step was, of course, to be baptized. I mean, this is just throughout all of Scripture, but why don't we just take a second and just quickly go through a couple verses in the book of Acts just so I can show this to you, all right? So in the book of Acts, um, we see that baptism is definitely assumed after salvation. Here it goes. In Acts 2, do you remember what happened in Acts 2? In Acts 2, how Peter is preaching to thousands of people. He's preaching the gospel. And uh, it says that the people that heard it, 3,000 of them, were cut to the heart. And they believed in Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 2:41, it says that they were baptized. They were baptized. They were saved, and then they were baptized. In Acts 8, 12, Philip is preaching the good news of the gospel to Simon the magician and those who are with him. And Simon preaches the message. They hear the gospel. They believe in the gospel. And what does it say? They were baptized. They were baptized almost immediately. In Acts eight thirty six, the Ethiopian eunuch is having a discussion with Philip. And uh, Philip's explaining to him how it's Jesus all the way through Isaiah. He's explaining how Isaiah is all about Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch is saved. He believes. And at the first sight of water, he he sees it. And he goes, what's holding me back from being baptized right now? 
And of course, he's baptized right after he believes. In Acts 16, 33, the Philippian jailer receives Jesus Christ. He and his whole household receive Jesus Christ, and they are all baptized. The, the text, I believe, says immediately they were baptized. In Acts uh, 19.5, Paul is in Ephesus, and he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and they've been saved for a while, but they didn't understand baptism. And so he explains why they need to be baptized, and they are baptized. And maybe that's you here today. You're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you just haven't understood that you need to be baptized. Well, you're here, and I'm here telling you, just like Paul was telling the church in Ephesians, um, in Ephesus, uh, they need to be baptized, and they were baptized And then, of course, in Acts 22, we see Paul recounting his salvation, and Ananias comes to him and tells him that the Lord has appointed him to preach the good news to everyone, to the Gentiles, and then he says, why do you wait? Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. It's a pattern through Scripture. It's assumed in Scripture that those who believe will be baptized, and I think that question is just so good for us today Why do you wait? Why do you wait? It only makes sense to Paul. It only made sense to the leaders of the day. It only makes sense to us today looking at the scriptures that if you are saved in Jesus Christ, you will be baptized. There's no reason why you shouldn't be baptized. It's commanded to us by Jesus himself. You see, it's assumed in Scripture by Paul, it's assumed by so many authors in the Bible because it was a commandment of Jesus Christ. Um, We talk about this verse a lot here at Harvest uh, in in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he says to his disciples, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Uh, go therefore making disciples and baptizing them, right? And baptizing them. And so... The command is there from Jesus, and so it's assumed that those who follow Jesus will obey Jesus. Those who are Christ followers would follow. It only makes sense in the definition of a Christ follower that you would follow Jesus Christ and obey him. I tell you this today, I tell you this because I love you. I tell you this today because I love you, and the most loving thing that I can do is point you into obedience of Jesus Christ. The most loving thing I can do is to point you in obedience of Jesus Christ, and the best thing that you can do is obey your Savior. The question has to be asked, and you have to ask yourself this, if you don't desire to obey your Savior, then how do you consider yourself a Christ follower? If you're not eagerly desiring to obey Jesus Christ, how can you say that you are alive in Jesus Christ? Are you taking God's grace for granted? Just look at the first verse, even in our text today. It says this. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. Are we to continue in not obeying our Savior so that more grace can be poured out? No, no. Because we are saved, because we have received grace, that should lead us in obedience of our Savior. Of course, of course, it's assumed in Scripture. Christ obeys it. And our second point, uh, he commands it and we should obey. And our second point is this. I need to be baptized because I've died to sin. I need to be baptized because I've died to sin. Look at the text again, starting in verse 2. It says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, Paul offers this incredible imagery of what baptism is. Do you see that there? Do you see that there? He's saying that just as Jesus was buried, we too are buried in the water. And just too, as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too are raised out of the water. We identify with our Savior and what he did for us in baptism. This is incredible imagery here that that, uh, Paul gives us. And let's just be very clear here, though, that baptism itself does not save us, okay? Baptism itself does not save us. Going into water doesn't make you a Christian. If that were true, everyone who went swimming would be a believer in Jesus Christ. There's there's nothing special about the water. There's no potion that we put in there that's magical, okay? The elders don't gather around and pray over the water, okay? It's just tap water. Just tap water like you drink at home. There's nothing special about it. It doesn't save you. And Paul knows this very well. Um, just a few chapters later in Romans, in, in chapter 10, verse 9, he says that your salvation comes by confessing with your mouth that, and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and was raised from the dead. So Paul knows that it's not baptism that saves you, but for Paul, the two are so linked, uh, closely linked. They're, they're just so closely connected. Baptism doesn't save you, but it sure is a picture of your salvation, It showcases what has happened. It could be said this way. Baptism is an outward expression of the inward reality that Christ has saved you. Baptism is an outward expression of the inward reality that Christ has saved you. Because we have died to sin, because the work of Christ um, and what he has done, uh, we too should be buried and raised. And you might say, well, it's a symbol. Symbols don't matter. I know in my heart, like I already know I'm saved and so I don't, I don't need uh, to be baptized. Um, it's fine, like I'm saved. You're telling me it doesn't save me, so why would I go ahead and get baptized? It's because it's a big deal. And let me prove it to you. Symbols are a big, big deal. All right, so it's wedding season, right? A lot of people getting married. I'm sure a few of you have been to a couple weddings already this year. If not, you're going to one and... Um, uh, my question is, is when you go to the ceremony, the wedding ceremony, um, what is it that marries the couple? What is it that takes two single people and now all of a sudden they're a married couple? What is it? Well, I would say um, it's the words that they say to one another, right? They make vows, a covenant before God to each other, um, before witnesses, that they will love each other and, and, and be with each other for the rest of their lives. And so they, they're, they're words that are then, they sign off on a legal document that they've said these things to each other, and they are married. That's what marries them. And I don't think there's any disagreement with that, but I think we would also agree that what doesn't marry them is their rings. Right? They don't put on the rings and all of a sudden they're married. No, it's the vows that they've made. And on my wedding day, my wife, she put this ring on my finger, and we both said, I do, and I put a ring on her finger, and I said, I do. Um, but if I were to take off my ring right now, it wouldn't all of a sudden mean I'm not married, right? And in fact, if you took my ring and put it on, it wouldn't mean that you're married to my wife, 
just back off, all right? <laughs> of course, of course. No one would argue that. But married folk in the room, uh, those who aspire to be married or soon to get married or can just imagine what marriage might be like, uh, what if your spouse, uh, before they left the house, they took their ring off and they put it on the counter for the purpose that when they went out, no one would know they were married? Would that bother you? I think it would bother you. Heck, I mean, for me, when Mandy's cutting chicken and she takes her rings off and puts them in a certain place in the kitchen and then forgets to put them back on, I'm like, you forgot to put your rings on. I want to make sure everybody knows that you are mine. I want to make sure all the other guys know to back off. Why? Because symbols matter. Symbols matter hugely. And so are you a Christian here today that refuses to put on your wedding ring? Are you a Christian here today that has not identified in the picture of baptism of what your Lord and Savior has done? Do you go out in public and not proclaim the words that you have spoken through baptism? Baptism matters big time. It is a big, big deal. And so I ask you, so I ask you now, why do you wait? Why do you wait? What is holding you back from obedience? What is holding you back from showcasing the picture of your salvation? What is holding you back from putting that ring on your finger when you go outside? Christ has given you peace and love and joy and salvation. And how now do you not obey him? How do you not showcase this picture of salvation. I think this leads us to our third point pretty well, and it's this. I need to be baptized because it propels me in ministry. I need to be baptized because it propels me in ministry. Let's take a look at verse 4. It says this, it says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in newness of life. We need to be very careful, again, to understand what Paul is and isn't saying here. What he's saying is that the union with Christ is what um, causes us to have uh, newness of life. The union with Christ leads to newness of life. But Paul, for Paul, uh, baptism and those who are saved is, is just so tightly connected that he doesn't neglect one or the other. Of course, when he's talking to the Romans, he's assuming, he's assuming our baptism has, has joined us together. Why? Because it's the picture of what has already happened in our heart. It's the picture of what has already happened. Again, there's nothing special in the water, but it showcases, it's that picture of what Christ has done. The old person has died and the new person is alive in Christ. So what I mean when I say it propels you in ministry is that it prepares you for the work that God has for you as you obey him in what he has asked you to do. It propels you for the work of Christ and for the work of God in mission as you obey what he has asked you to do. 
See, I see this model throughout Scripture. It's just, it's just so clear. I, I don't think the, the Bible really um, uh, it contradicts itself in this in any way. It's just so clear that baptism comes before faithful and fruitful ministry. I, it's just so clear to me. Um, look at Paul himself. And so we go back to that story in Acts 22. He's retelling his story of salvation. He, um, uh, at the time, his name was Saul. And he gets papers so that he has permission to go and persecute the Christians in Damascus. He's on his way to Damascus, and Jesus interrupts that trip quite abruptly and comes to him in a bright light, and he's blinded, and Jesus speaks to him, why do you persecute me? Why are you persecuting me? And so Paul, shooken by this, he continues his journey, goes into Damascus, a man named Ananias, who the Lord um, also spoke to, telling him that Paul was coming and gave him a word to give to Paul. Uh, Ananias says to him, God has appointed you to speak and preach the gospel to everyone, to the, to the Gentiles. And then he asks, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Rise and be baptized. He, he knows, of course, that um, uh, Paul is going to do this great work for God. But first things first. First things first, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. So for Paul, before his public ministry, he was publicly baptized. You know someone else who started their ministry with baptism? Jesus, your Savior, Jesus, started his ministry with baptism. If you go to Matthew 3 or you go to Mark chapter 1, you can almost see the whole thing on one page. Jesus, he, around 30 years old, he's lived his life, he is about to start his ministry, he goes and sees John the Baptist, he's baptized, setting the example for us, he's baptized and then the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness, he's tempted by Satan for 40 days, and then he begins his ministry. You see, baptism propels, it begins, it, it, that's what starts the public ministry, I mean, just consider this for a second. Imagine um, someone who is running for political office, okay? Imagine they've made it up in their mind that they are going to run for a certain office, office okay? Uh, wouldn't it be strange for them to, on the day of the election, to just put their name on the ballot without telling anybody? That, you'd go and you'd be like, who's this guy? Who's that guy? And it's not like a politician to keep their name secret, right? But no, of course... Six months, a year, a few years beforehand, they, they come out and they publicly declare, um, I am running for office. And then that's what starts their campaign to, to win that election. Of course, it just makes sense. Of course they're going to do that. And for us in, in ministry, we are, we are saved and then we are called to be baptized and publicly declare that we are on team Jesus, to publicly put on the jersey of Jesus Christ and say, he is my savior, he has saved me, this is what he's done already in my heart and now publicly I will declare it to everyone who will see. Honestly, we have our baptism, you should be sharing that video, we videotape it here, you should share that video on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and everyone, let everyone know, let everyone know I've been baptized into Jesus Christ. Publicly declare your allegiance. Publicly declare the reality of what Christ has already done in your life. You see, there's something so special that takes place when you are baptized. Something so sweet in the obedience to our Lord. There's no hiding it anymore. Uh, but some people still think that baptism is just like a little outdated. 
Uh, baptism doesn't really mean anything in our day. You know, we're in 2017. This no longer is relevant. Um, and uh, I just think that's un- completely untrue. I think that is um, uncategorically false. It's, I think it means a lot. I think it's a big deal for, of course, us in the church, but also people outside of the church. Um, my, uh, my mom, uh, she grew up in a home that wasn't saved. There were no Christians in her family. Um, on either side of her family, no one was a Christian. And so she was raised, um, and uh, at a very young age, uh, she started to find her way and, and would get herself to church. Um, the Lord was calling her, and even though her parents were very secular, if anything, her dad Hindu, but very secular, and, uh, but she found her way to get to church. She would walk, she would do whatever she had to do. And when she was a teenager, uh, she got saved. She heard the gospel, and uh, it just clicked. It just clicked all of a sudden. Do you remember that happened for you? All of a sudden, the gospel just made sense. You clicked, and, and, and you believed in Jesus Christ. Well, that's what happened to her. And her parents were okay with this. Her parents were fine with this. They, yeah, you go to church, that's fine. They teach you to be a good person, whatever. Go to church, you like it, enjoy it. You're a Christian, that's fine. And then one day, she, I guess, heard about baptism, and She's reading the word, I need to be baptized. And so she asks her pastor, and they're like, okay, well, we can do baptism. So she goes to her parents, and she says, I'm going to be baptized. Do you want to come? And they go, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You cannot be baptized. You have to wait until you're 18, and then you can kind of make that decision for yourself. So she obeyed her parents, and she waited until she was 18, and then she was baptized. But why did that matter to them? She was already a Christian. She already went to church every Sunday, but there's something special. There's something significant about this sacred ordinance that the Lord has given us that when we go into the waters of baptism, nothing mystical happens. There's not, no potion in the water, but something special happens as we identify with our Savior, not just in the church, but outside the church. They see that. They go, oh, that person really means business. They are a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, there's something physical that has happened that has represented the spiritual. And maybe they think a whole lot of things about baptism. It doesn't really matter. But the truth is, is that it's a big deal. It matters. It matters hugely in our lives and in our church. And this um, brings us to our fourth point. And this is probably my favorite part of this whole thing, is that I need to be baptized because Jesus is so sweet to me. I need to be baptized because Jesus is so sweet to me. Let's look at these verses 5 and 6. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is so sweet to us. I mean, there is so much theology that we could go through here in this text. We could spend weeks in this text just deconstructing it and all the truths that are involved here. But just take, look at the big picture, what's going on. Jesus has saved you. 
Jesus has paid the price for you. Jesus has died and has been raised from the dead by the power of God so that you can have new life. So that you are no longer chained to your sin. That you no longer have to carry the burden and the weight of your sin. You no longer have to pay the consequences of your sin. Jesus is so, so sweet to us. He is so, so good to us. And if I can convince you, if you can be convinced that Jesus is sweet to you, convincing you to be baptized should be easy. It should be so easy. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if, if you have been saved, if, if you have been changed and unhinged from sin, you would be jumping at the opportunity to obey your Savior. You would be jumping at the opportunity for our next baptism service. When can I get in? How can I proclaim that Jesus has saved me? How can I identify with my Savior? He has been so, so sweet to me. So I ask you now, do you know how sweet your Savior is to you? Do you know truly how sweet your Savior is to you? Do you, uh, do you contemplate these things? Do you think about this? Do you meditate on this? Do you allow the truth of God's word and the theology to pour over you? Oh my God is so sweet to me. Do you brush through these passages or do you sit and look at what God has done for me? How can I not obey him? Because if you do, if you do, and if you've not been baptized, then this should be something that you desire to do. This should definitely be something that you are chomping at the bit to get done. Whenever someone asks me um, in our church or they, they indicate to me that they're interested in baptism, it's not that I'm skeptical. Um, I'm excited for them. Like, that's great. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Um, but you email me first. You call me first, okay? Why? Because I can't be more excited about your baptism than you. You need to own this. You need to desire this. You need to contemplate who your Savior is. You need to walk in obedience on your own. The elders of this church can't cause you to obey Christ. The staff of this church can't cause you to obey Christ. Your parents can't cause you to obey Christ. You need to own this. You need to identify with your Savior personally and publicly that you are His. These things go hand in hand in Scripture, and they go hand in hand for us today. Being baptized is such a big deal. Amen, church? So I ask again, why do you wait? Why do you wait? What excuse could you possibly have? What excuse could you possibly think of to delay obedience? Do you know what delayed obedience is? It's sin. Saying that I will just do good later. No, Christ asks you now, why do you wait? Why do you wait to be baptized? Rise and be baptized. You see, Ananias, when he was asking Paul, you know, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. He was really asking it, I think, in a, in, in a rhetorical way. In a rhetorical way, he was, he was saying to him, why do you wait? He was, he was basically saying, Paul, the most ridiculous thing to do would be to wait, so let's get you baptized. 
You can't come up with any reason, Paul. Why do you wait? Of course not. Let's get this done. Let's get you baptized. Why do you wait? What excuse could there possibly be? Um, But I know that if you're anything like me, um, and I'm sure you are in a lot of ways, that you can come up with excuses like that, all right? And so what I've done is I've written down seven common excuses for you, and we're going to knock these out of the park so that there's nothing left, all right? There's nothing left hindering us from getting baptized, all right? So here they are. Number one excuse. I'm not ready. Heard that one? I'm not ready. And you've been saying this for a long time. Listen, listen, loved ones. There is no requirement outside of salvation for you to be baptized. Didn't we just see in the book of Acts, they repented, they were saved, and they were baptized immediately. They didn't go through some 12-step course learning about it. They didn't memorize all of Scripture. They weren't in the Lord for 15 years. They didn't have communion 900 times. It wasn't a list of things they had to do to all of a sudden obtain this Christian aura then to get baptized. No, 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 no. Christ has done the work. He has saved you, and your next step is obedience to him in baptism. There is no requirement, requirement outside of salvation um, than for baptism. So why do you wait? The next one is this. Number two, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time. You know the only problem with that is? Is that's what you said last time. And so now it is next time. And so we have a baptism service in two weeks. And I ask, why do you wait? Why do you wait? Why do you delay your obedience in Jesus Christ? The time is now. Rise and be baptized. Sign up. Email me. Call me. Come up and talk to one of us at the front. We would love to get you plugged in. You can go talk to the green shirts after the service. You can go on your smartphone and you can go to our website and sign up for baptism. Why do you wait? This is next time. This is next time. Number three, people say this. Well, my family isn't here to see it. Well, what are we, chop liver? We're your family, all right? We're here. We love you. We want to see you get baptized, all right? And, and on top of that, we videotape it so you can send them the video. They can watch it later, all right? And you have two weeks to get them here, okay? And even if they can't get here, this is between you and your Savior. Don't delay obedience. We are your family. We would love to see you. We'll be cheering you on as we witness what Christ has done in your heart. Uh, number four, well, I don't like public speaking. Either do I, all right? Either do I, but the Lord will give you strength. Do you really think, do you really th- and this is crippling to some people, do you really think, though, that the, the, the Lord who is um, above all things and maintains the universe by his power, who, who, who sustains your next breath, uh, the second you decide to walk in obedience, he's going to leave you hanging? No. He will be your strength, and he will use your testimony to bless others. Count it, count it as a good thing that you have the opportunity to go before others and tell of what Christ has done for you. Allow him to be your strength. And listen, if you can't speak, I'll read your testimony for you, okay? So you have no excuse, no excuses left. Uh, Number five, I look silly when my hair is wet. This is a bigger deal to some people than you might think, all right? Listen, listen. To God, your hair has never been so beautiful as you walk in obedience of your Savior. You don't worry about what everyone else here might think. Everyone's hair has been wet, okay? We all know what wet hair looks like. Everyone might have a little bit white legs when they're walking into the tank. That's okay. 
That's okay. Now I'm giving you reasons to be more scared, but no need. Your Savior is so pleased with you and thinks it's so beautiful as you walk in obedience of him. You don't need to worry about them. You worry about what your Savior thinks. Number six, well, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I got to ask you the question, of what? I don't, I, I just don't understand this. What could you possibly be embarrassed about? You're on the winning team. Jesus is Lord over all, and you're on his side. What do you have to be embarrassed about? You should be enthralled that you get to represent Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ, the ruler of the heavens and the earth. Nothing to be embarrassed about. If Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Seek your Savior, obey Him. And then lastly, well, I was baptized as an infant, and I don't need to be baptized again. And I would ask you, um, show me one place in Scripture where an infant was baptized. It's just not there. It is not there. It's not the model in Scripture. And there's many reasons for this, and if you want to talk more about this, we can talk more about this. It's just not there. Now, if you were baptized as an infant, I'm not saying that was sinful. I, I mean, I'm not saying that was a terrible thing or your parents, they, thought they were doing what they thought was best for you. That's great, okay? Put that aside. But being baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ is so important. How can you as a baby declare what Christ has done for you through baptism? You can't. You can't. You simply can't. How can you show a picture of what Christ has done for you? How can you, how can you call that obedience in what Christ has commanded of you. You can't. It's not in the Bible. It just simply is not in the Bible. And we need to be people of the Bible. We need to be people that follow what the Bible says. And so hopefully we've knocked all the excuses out. Actually, you know what? A lady last night told me one more. She said, when I was getting baptized, um, she said, I was terrified of water. I was terrified of swimming and drowning. Okay, I'll tell you, the water goes up to here. Okay, you can stand in it. All right. And I'll be there holding your hand the whole time. And I won't let go of you, okay? We'll bring you right back out. There's nothing to be afraid about. We will take good care of you. And so I pray, I pray that if you've not been baptized, I pray, consider these things. Walk in obedience of your Savior. This is the best thing for you and the most loving thing I can say to you. Obey your Savior. We have baptism in two weeks. Two weeks. Figure it out. Call me. Email me. Um, go on the website, sign up, obey your Savior, and allow him to work in your life through your obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for your continue, continued grace for us, Lord. Even though, Lord, sometimes we fail to do what you've asked us to do, you pour out more grace. And so, Lord, we thank you that you've been patient with us. Lord, we thank you that you are so kind to us. Lord, we thank you that you are so good to us. Lord, I pray right now for those in this room who have been putting this off for way too long or have been putting this off at all. Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart, oh God, and that they would desire, they would desire so strongly to obey their Savior to love you, to serve you, O oh God, to be pushed further in their uh, mission of a uh, missionary. Um, Lord, and I just pray that you would use them, O oh God. So Lord, allow the first step of obedience be baptism for them.
God, we need you here. We ask for your presence again, O oh Lord. We love you. We thank you for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.